everybody. Welcome again to another Wellness Wednesday, Sugar Queen. And our special guest for today's Wellness Wednesday is Dr. Anna Negron. Um, she is born and raised in Puerto Rico. Uh, she's bilingual, board certified family physician, and the author of um, the book Nourishing the Body and Recovering Health Positive Science of Food. Um, I'm excited to have her here because, of course, many of you know I am plant based. Um, and every day I do have to make sure that, you know, I have a, a plan, you know, <laughs> trying to eat well and stay away from certain foods and certain practices and um, things like that. So having individuals like Dr. Negron and uh, others to kind of tap into and ask questions and, you know, gain so much knowledge and information um, from, it's, um, it's just a huge blessing. So just to give you a little bit of more history on her before we go into our interview, um, her philosophy is that food is integral to her practice where group cooking is a regular activity. She helps her patients transition to a whole food plant-based diet, lowering the inflammation at the root of their illnesses and reducing the need for medication. Back in 2017, she received a grant from the Chester County Health Department toward a project to reduce heart disease in her community. In 2017, she co-designed with the Chester County Food Bank a produce prescription pro program. She runs um, each year, uh, in June, like from June to November, I think it is. Um, let's see, Dr. Negron is a diplomat of the American Board of Family Medicine. Uh, she's a member uh, of the Society of Graduated Physicians from the University of Puerto Rico School of Medicine. And she's E. Cornell certified um, in plant-based plant nutrition. Uh, since the pandemic, she can be seen on regular Facebook webinars and presentations in collaboration with Casa Vega Dala. I am totally messing that up um, because I do not speak Spanish, uh, but I'm trying to read her bio. I will also have that bio for you to access. <laughs> so all of my Spanish and Latino uh, individuals out there and listeners, please forgive me for, for just totally murdering that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, her latest appearance was with Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine as Master of Ceremonies of a free Spanish immersion virtual conference titled Mas Plantas, Mas Salud, uh, which drew participants from all around the world. Dr. Negron um, really um, embodies what wellness uh, can look like and the possibilities of many of us reversing our illnesses, um, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional. She's a very holistic teacher, but don't don't take my word, just listen in. Um, yeah, just take a listen to her and you'll find out for yourself. I think we're ready. We're live. Um, and tonight we have Dr. Anna Negron, MD, uh, family physician, 
She practices family medicine out of Pennsylvania. I'm excited to have her here because tonight we're talking about the lifestyle medicine approach. And um, I just want to know more information about it. I know many of you have asked. I am vegan, but um, it's great to hear physicians talk about treating their patients with food versus just medicine, the, the typical Western medicine. So thank you, Dr. Negron, for coming to the Bar Talks platform tonight. A pleasure. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you doing in these times? Well, you know, keeping to the recommendations of uh, trying to keep uh safe, mask on, wash your hands, but I'll tell you what, it has closed some doors and opened others because this kind of interview would not have happened. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So yeah, I agree with you. Um, I've been able to connect with amazing people like yourself and uh, I would have never been able to do so unless I actually came knocking at your door like, can I interview you please? <laughs> so I'm, I'm thankful. I'm, I'm um, taking the good with the bad. Me too. <laughs> good. Okay. So um, I know I reached out to you because I, one, I am a vegan and two, I looked at some of your work in various places and I had spoken also with one of your I don't want to say colleague but I guess one of your friends in the in the industry um, Dr. Baxter Montgomery and we talked about the plant base and the lifestyle medicine approach to treating patients and I found out in my research that that's one of your beliefs as well and of course I would love to know more about that I would love to know um, how did you get into this arena as far as um, treating patients in this particular lifestyle? It was a a long and tortuous way because when I first changed my lifestyle to avoiding animal products, it had nothing to do with medicine or with what I knew food could do for our health. It had to do with ethical and philosophical reasons, the environment, the violence to animals, Mm -hmm. Um, the waste, the pollution. Um, And so I kept it to myself and my family for a while, uh, while I started to learn a little bit more about food and medicine, which uh, I didn't really learn about this in my medical school. And and I have to tell you, most of my colleagues didn't learn it either. So this is why many patients are finding themselves distraught asking their their physicians to help them with lifestyle and the physicians are probably eating the same way as as they are yeah. so you know and getting a lot of the information from the media and from uh advertisements uh unless we really take time to to learn about it you know from credible sources mm-hmm. so it was years later that i accumulated so much information about the fact that a plant diet was not just good for my soul (laughs) but was really good for my patients and for the health of my patients. I took a couple years of sabbatical and learned a lot about food and medicine, um, making up for lost time (laughs) and then I felt really empowered to bring it to patients because you know you can burn out thinking that you're adding medications every every year to people who will never get will never be off them Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, started cooking with my patients, starting to really uh, lecture and uh, well, you'll ask me more, but this is how wait, it, this wait, is how you started. started. You started cooking with your patients. Come on, tell me more about that. How did that, I mean, how did, I mean, I don't know if my doctor would say, hey, let me cook with you. I don't know how I, I, would, I don't know how I would, res- would respond. I'd be like, what? So tell me how did that um, happen? <laughs> well, it wasn't one-on-one, you know, it was just I brought a few samples of food when I realized that really people couldn't be told eat healthier. They had to be, it had to be something a little bit more specific, you know, what is healthier? And yeah. we can get into that. There are many myths and misconceptions about what is healthy. Mm-hmm. So I brought some samples to the office and, you know, gave it the people to try my colleagues the staff and patients and they said this is delicious yeah what is it and I said what do you mean what is it it was it was oatmeal with quinoa and blueberries and yeah. flax seeds it was kale with garlic and you know spices and the fact that they couldn't really identify what it was gave me just a light bulb and I went and I bought some pots and pans and a stove top and I I asked for the boardroom of the clinic to let me cook there. And I started to cook. Oh um, my God, I love that. Yeah. And people came and the, the smell, the aromas, you know, wafted into the hallways and people would just peek in. And um, it was the best thing ever because it, it was a sensory experience. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a paper with these are some of the recipes, these are some of the foods. If I give you a paper with lots of words on it that you don't really connect, it's like saying, here, Queenie, you throw this away. Right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But but when you taste everything, when you have a hand, and they were cooking with me. I was not, it was not a demonstration. It was cooking with me. Right. Um, So that's how it started. Yeah. And it, it, you know, never stopped. Yeah, you know, that's that's wonderful because it makes all the difference when, uh, like you're saying, like if you give people just the paper and tell them to go do something, um, well, when they leave your office, they're passing by all of these restaurants and they're hungry right now and they're just going to drop in and they don't even think about that paper that you just gave them, but you are offering them an experience. And I think that sticks with you more. And maybe you even show them that they can not only eat this, but actually prepare it. And it's not that difficult. And most importantly, it had to be delicious. <laughs> of course. So, all right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, using, using spices that they knew, using modes of cooking or, uh, or preparing that were familiar, trying also, always to transform the family or traditional dishes so that they were really not leaving that behind Mm -hmm. it's very important that we connect food with our you know with our tradition with our festivities or with our we use food for everything for sad for happy yeah celebration yeah yeah oh i love that so um so once you did this like how did you so first first of all let me just go back a little bit you went on your own journey you decided plant-based was going to be your lifestyle and it wasn't necessarily for health reasons it was holistic reasons it was nature it was philosophical it was what you felt was right that was your walk and then you saw the benefits i'm sure um health wise and so now you're introducing it to your patients that you know can benefit from it um so like what was one of the 
the, I guess one of the light bulb moments that went off that you remember with a patient where they just got it, where you saw some results and they actually saw some results and it made sense to them? Well, the first things were really like my acid reflux went away in three days or I don't, I don't, I no longer have joint pains. I'm sleeping better. I'm going to the bathroom without straining. Yeah. those, Those were just like quick, 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 you know, within, within a week to 10 days, people were experiencing something that was giving back to their body Mm -hmm. an experience that at least made them keep trying you know and keep exploring Mm -hmm. wow and of course then came you know blood pressures dropped and blood sugars dropped and cholesterols dropped Mm -hmm. and we are i am very thankful that every now and then i have a star patient (laughs) that because it is hard to swim against the current. Yes, yes. There are many that are just saying, oh no, I mean, people are not gonna do this, you know. Plus it's not rewarded. I mean, financially, the insurance companies don't really reward counseling patients. Right. It takes me an hour and a half to meet with a person to really go through some of the basics, like the, the virtual kitchen tour is one of my exercises. You know, I don't ask people what they eat. I ask them what they have in their food bank, <laughs> in their kitchen. That gives me a much better idea. Yeah, yeah. So we, when you take them or when they take you into their kitchen virtually, do you start telling them to throw things out? <laughs> to what? I'm do sorry? you start telling them to throw things away? Well, I don't... Eat- Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> what I say is put a put a red dot on all the things that we the food comes from three places. Okay. Plants, animals, and factories. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's easy to put red dots on the factory foods, which are mostly flour, sugar, oil, you know, some everything cult- in your cupboard. Uh, most things. <laughs> right. right. And then, you know, see what you have in your freezer and, you know, the animal products, which are just meat, cheese, eggs. That's it. Yeah, that's all. And then all the plant foods, which are really, you know, they they don't need any label. We know exactly what they are and um, we can keep them. Mm -hmm. So then after we take a look at that kind of uh, display, uh, it's up to the person to say, well, really, my food bank is not that balanced. <laughs> I don't have to tell him. <laughs> Funny how that happens. <laughs> when right. the, the, the truth lies in front of you, so. <laughs> yes, the less I say, the more has to come from the person, him or herself. Yeah, yeah. And so now I know that you, um, before COVID, and I think, still now I know that you um, participate in and you give many lectures um, about plant-based um, and so like what is your what is that thing that you love talking about the most I mean plant-based is such a huge umbrella right but like that thing that just really gets your blood pumping that you want people <laughs> to take away from a lecture what is that message that you're trying to convey to people like myself Um, or others that are not at all plant-based? Well, you know, what I want us to remember is that we have been cut off from our roots, really, that we have derailed ourselves. You know, we are eating uh, processed foods that is really not something that 
existed, you know, that many years ago. We've really, uh, what I want us to remember is that we are from the earth and that by eating what for thousands of years humans have survived on, mm -hmm. we are really giving the body the best it can to do its magic. Mm -hmm. um, so what I want is for us to remember you know, it's to reconnect. Um, when we look around the world, the populations that, you know, live to be 90 and 100 without disabilities, mm -hmm. uh, meaning that they don't, you know, they don't have the diseases of affluence that we in the Western countries have, like diabetes and high cholesterol and heart disease and cancers. They have five things in common. They are mostly plant eaters. They move every all the all day long. Yeah. <laughs> they use their bodies. They sleep on you know a, a good restful sleep, so they wake up the next morning refreshed. Mm -hmm. They lower their stress level, so they're not really just you know twisting themselves into a pretzel or um, you know watching television and getting all um, filled up with you know negative vibes all the time. And number five they are connected to something bigger than themselves. They're part of a community. And the smallest community is your family, but if not your family, the, the friends, the, the church, the, uh, any you know, civic, uh, anything that makes you feel like you belong. Those are the five pillars of health that are common in these populations around the world. And they're known as the blue zones. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm writing notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's important. The because, five pillars of health. I love that. Yeah. So it's it's nutrition first and mostly plants. It's moving your body, exercising it mm -hmm. with a purpose, not yeah. just going around the block, around the block, but really fix your fences, you know, uh, mow your grass, yeah. uh, plant, um, walk places, mm -hmm. take um you know, yes, change your light bulbs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a task. My ceilings are high. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, sleep well. In other words, if you are if you are exercising and if you're eating well, you are tired at the end of the day and you will sleep well right. without medications and you wake up refreshed. Then lower your stress. And there are two kinds of stress. The stress that's put on us by others uh, which are really not satisfying our agenda. Um, and it's, you know, sometimes work. Right. But there's another stress that's very good, which is the one that puts us in situations that are new, novel, which require us to learn new things. Yeah. Learning a, a new skill, learning a new language, learning how to use Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> that is a fantastic way to really, you know, engage, not just engage, but we are making connections between our neurons. So it's protecting us against dementia and Alzheimer's when we are really using our brain in such, you know, active way. And of course, the last is be connected to something bigger than yourself mm. and uh, participate in, um, participate in activities and organizations and look after your your neighbor, your brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the matters of the heart. That makes, that just makes the heart feel really good. 
Yes, I'm taking a deep <laughs> breath as we say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes the heart feel good. So, okay, now you you are a family practitioner, or I'm sorry, family physician. Um, and so in your practice, do you have a very diverse group of patients? Do you see a very diverse group of patients? And, yeah. and if so, um, some of the treatments that you, or some of the illnesses that you see the most, like the, those that plague the African-American community, which are, that we know, we know um, personally is diabetes, hypertension, of course there's cholesterol, um, but the diabetes and hypertension seems to be part of who we are. So in our, within our community, um, do you see a lot of those particular sicknesses and do you treat with this approach like do you lead with this approach and is it um received <laughs> absolutely and absolutely okay <laughs> <laughs> so number one you know the these diseases are diseases not because of our genetics or because of our you know background these are diseases because of the way we're treating our genes mm. so these wow. diseases run in families and in communities through the kitchen Mm, that's it's really. Yeah, I want. So I want them to hear that. Say that one more time. Yes, these diseases, and these are overweight and obese, and obesity, diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, um, and heart disease. I mean, many patients come with all of them. Mm-hmm. They're diseases that run in families and communities through the kitchen, through the way we eat. Wow. Mm. Um. So if that's the case, then we are really very, we're powerful. Because if it was really our destiny, our, our genes, then what can you do, you know? But if it's really something that is seen, and I'll tell you why we know that. Populations that are, that live in areas where there is really very little heart disease, diabetes, high cholesterol, and cancer. If they move to the United States, within less than a generation, they acquire the diseases of the host nation. Wow. What does that tell us? It tells us that the genes are expressed or not, depending on what we feed them. Right. So if you feed food that will turn on the genes that are weak in our, you know, in our makeup, um, that have to do with cholesterol, well, we're going to have high cholesterol. We challenge those genes, they're going to show up. <laughs> wow. If, we, if you challenge the genes that have to do with, you know, uh, sugar metabolism and intramyocellular lipids or how we deposit fat in muscle and liver, which we shouldn't, if we challenge those genes and we do that, guess what? We're going to develop insulin resistance or diabetes. Wow. But if we don't challenge them, we have the template to build those diseases, but we never build them. Goodness. You see? Yeah. And that's why it's that's why at 72, almost 73, I'm still excited about practicing medicine because I see that even those who missed the boat and already have the disease can reverse it, can halt it and maybe reverse it. And that's what I also see when people bring down their cholesterol, bring down their blood pressure, bring down their their blood sugar. And many are able to not just reduce their medications, but even live without medications. 
So when you're talking about, yes, I, my, who's my population? Who are the patients that I see? Well, I, am, I volunteer at a clinic for people without health insurance, and there I see many immigrants from Latin America and Mexico. Um, I also have a practice where I transition people who come because they want to, to transition to a healthier lifestyle. And there I have people who come from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, speaking all kinds of languages and all kinds of um, backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And then I teach family medicine residents the role of food in medicine. You know why? Because nobody else is. Because nobody else is. Yeah, I, I've heard that. You people are. I've heard that quite a bit from from quite a bit of the people that are out there teaching. They're like, it's only a few of us that are actually practicing and teaching this. And I've heard the same conversation that in while in medical school, you don't you get a very small window of nutrition, and and that's it. And, and you know, I mean, I, I understand it. I just don't agree with it. <laughs> but hey, I'm not a physician. Um, but I'm thankful for um, physicians like yourself that are being honest about this and are helping to retrain our brains in the way we think about treating these diseases. Because oftentimes when you're diagnosed, especially in my community, I'll be honest, if, you know, if a black person is diagnosed with diabetes, sometimes you just feel that that's, it's in my genes, my mama, my daddy, my uncle, all these people had it. This one had a leg cut off. That one had a foot cut off. And you just accept that that's what is. And I don't believe that that's always, that always has to be our sentence. Um, I believe that there has to be another way. And when I'm hearing you talk about food is a great alternative to just saying, let's just take the medicine and deal with and, and just be okay with it. Um, I want people to hear that. And I want people to understand that there, there's an, there's an alternative. It takes discipline because it's so easy to just stop by and grab a burger, right? <laughs> it's so easy to do that. But I think when you, when you do it with purpose in mind of healing, that it makes a lot of sense and you probably will have a better result. Um, you know, and I'm sure you, you know, <laughs> you, you're the physician here, but this is just my own personal experience. You know, like it makes sense. I, I, I understand what you're saying. It makes perfect sense to me, you know? Well, I have two comments about that. Number one, in the residency, I have a, the opportunity to see many African-American patients mm -hmm. because that's not exactly the case in the clinic where I see mostly Latin American patients. Mm -hmm or in my practice. So <clears throat> there I have the opportunity to model to the residents how to have an interview with someone who, like yourself, is saying, you know, believing that, yeah, my uncle is on dialysis. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I'm expecting to be in that position sometime in my life. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the first thing is to talk about what is our natural food if for thousands of years we if we go back all the way back and it's important for me to really place us where we where we come from mm -hmm. okay yeah. so for thousands of years we were um, humans in this on this planet we were nomads you know walking about looking for whatever we could eat right. and 
it's amazing that we are the descendants of those people. <laughs> you know, they survived doing right. that. How, okay? how to survive without, you know, <laughs> processed chicken. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but they, they did supplement. They did. They did supplement their diet with, you know, a killed animal or a found egg or, you know, something of that sort. But we, before we had tools, it was really hard to count on that as our source of nourishment. So it was mostly roots and leaves and berries and fruits and nuts and seeds, you know, and however they were prepared until we 10,000 years ago, or 11,000 years ago, developed some kind of agriculture where we could plant and then start to harvest right there. So it was always, we were always plant eaters first mm -hmm. and meat eaters as a supplement. Right. So when we learned about that, we realized that we've, we've kind of fallen off <laughs> our way. Yeah. And um, it's important to realize that it's tasty and that's why it has really stuck with us. You know, because we like the fatty food and we like the sweet food. But to know that the industry, the food industry, in you know, in collaboration with other financial interests, groups and ever and everything, have been preparing food just to target our taste buds, to make it hyper palatable, not just palatable, wow. super hyper palatable. In other words, they're at, they're like bombs that you can't say no to after you eat a little piece. That's why they have buckets of fried chicken. That's yeah. why they have buckets of, you know, chicken wings or buckets of crabs. It's not just one. Um, and then this, you know, the chips come in humongous bags. Yeah. And so when we see through that, it's like the, the, the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> you see that it's been really done to us. And then we have suddenly a lot of power to go against that machine mm -hmm. and to realize that it was not the way we were meant to or that we would even survive you know, and thrive, but that that food, we have to have a blindfold to not realize that it's, it's hurting us. Right. This pandemic has come to, to get on top of a long list of epidemics. I mean, the obesity epidemics, it's not just being overweight or obese. It's what kind of food makes you that overweight or obese. Right. So overweight or obese is not a healthy metabolic state, but it's really how did you get that way? Mm. And eating the food of our species, we don't gain weight. We just eat as much as we can. We get satiated. Have you ever seen a, a fat squirrel? They're no. eating all day long the food <laughs> of their species. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I can go on and on, but what I am, what I help people see is that we need to rethink who's got the power here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, food is a right. Food, having food is a, a human right. But to nourish ourselves well, that's our responsibility. Mm, that is huge. Food is and a I right, but to nourish I, ourselves well is, a, is our responsibility. I heard, I've heard a, a very esteemed colleague of mine, African-American, he's, he's really on a campaign to make soul food, soil food. Yes, I love that. Yes, yes. <laughs> I support that message. <laughs> 
I do. I support that message. Soul food has, um, it has its history and it, it has its place in history, but I believe that now we can do better and um, we can make better decisions and choices. Um, and I think we should. And I tend to, you know, I grew up eating soul food, but it was never my first choice. It was never what, it was never what I was truly drawn to. It's what I was given. Um, and so going plant-based, it's not what I'm drawn to. It's, and I, so I tend to choose other types of plant um, based alternatives instead of um, soul food because there are even some soul food vegan restaurants and when I go in I'm like this is killing us <laughs> this is killing us you know the gravies the oils everything is still so heavy and so fatty and it just doesn't have an animal you know there so uh, again it's about knowing that that's not good for me so choosing to I'm just not going to do it or you know, moderation, just taste a bit of it. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. You know, <laughs> this is, these are not my words again, because it, it, it would not be my, my place, but this colleague of mine talks about this soul food as maybe having roots in plantations. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. So not really the first thing we're drawn to. Right. It's, it's and definitely. It, and to season it with <clears throat> oils and sugars and salt is to really make unhealthy food taste better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the history of soul food, you know, that it was, it, 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 most of it was the scraps that were given to slaves from, you know, the plantation or the slave, you know, master of the big house, you know, they were just given that. And, and, and we had the gift to survive. So we made it, you know, taste you know, good enough to eat. And then we perfected that, of course, all these years over. Um, but it is, it's the worst of the worst parts of the food. And oftentimes it has been the worst of the worst parts of the food. And it's never been any good for us. It's been killing us the whole time, um, you know. So from my heritage, which is, you know, Latin American, mm-hmm. it's really been the same thing. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been the, or not the same thing. It's been the industry coming in and displacing the agriculture and displacing the food that um, the people know that grows from the from the earth mm-hmm. um, and again tempting our palate you know with um, extra fatty and extra sweet and extra salty foods and it is addictive in the sense that it makes us want more because if we didn't like fatty and sweet things in the stone age and we just ate plants, you know, and didn't really like the, the nuts and the, you know, and the fat that would come every now and then from a killed animal, we would die from starvation the weeks of drought or floods or, you know, or just not enough food. So we had to have this wired in that we like fat and sweet <laughs> and, and salty. Um, and the industry has just capitalize on that mm-hmm. and given it to us cheap and everywhere yeah cheap is the thing you can get almost anything for a dollar and it's you know <laughs> you can buy fi- five of those things <laughs> and feed an entire family uh and, and it's you know it really is it really is unfortunate it 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 runs so deep when you think of it that way and um but there are still alternatives and Speaking of the alternatives, I have a question here, and uh, it is, why is it so expensive to go plant-based? 
Oh, I am so happy that you asked that because I said, oh, I missed, I missed it. No, yes, it's not expensive. <laughs> All right. Um, if you are eating beans, rice, fruits, oats, that's the cheapest food on the planet. If you want to eat processed, you know, plant foods, vegan food, or if you want to um, eat that on top of all the other food that you were eating, of course you're going to spend more money. But studies that I've that I've read and my own research with my patients shows us that $35 per adult per week gives us all the fresh fruits and vegetables that we need. Wow. $35 per adult per week. Now that's not counting, of course, the staples that we would have in, you know, in the pantry mm -hmm. or the freezer. So we would have some frozen food, we would have some cans, we would have some dry legumes, right? We'd have some onions and garlic, I mean, things that we could buy for the month. Right, right. But then the things that we would have to replenish because they're perishable, that we would buy every week, that would be your leafy greens you know your and your fruit $35 a person now think of people going past the you know the fast food or the Wawa or the Starbucks you know how many $35 do you drop in a week yeah in that kind of food yeah so we have to really you know kind of look at the whole picture and not just say eating you know plants is more expensive I also want to say that, or you know, plants are really the value of the food, the true value of the food. That the foods that are in, you know, the, the chicken, the the eggs, the ice cream, all that, those are subsidized food. They're mm -hmm. artificially cheap because they have been subsidized by government grants and you know different programs. So the value of broccoli and cauliflower and sweet potatoes and pumpkin, that's the true value of the farmers, you know, working their land, tending it, harvesting it, bringing it to you. We should value that. And I think edu educating consumers that that's the true cost of food mm -hmm. as opposed to calling it expensive, call it the true cost of food and call the other one artificially cheap oh my goodness I love that <laughs> so yes I hope I hope the listeners are um, taking your notes uh, artificially cheap <laughs> um, well my next question is are you yourself not okay are you yourself a raw food vegan or do you cook food I cook food um, I eat some raw, I eat some steamed, so I don't belong to a cult <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or a club. Right. <laughs> what, I, what I do think is that the closest, the closer we eat to a whole foods plant-based diet, which is how I eat, the healthier we are, the less footprint on the planet, the more violence we, um, you know, eliminate. Mm. And, the more we're doing to just live in harmony with every living being on the planet. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I mean, my salads are raw, of course. Yes. Uh, my nuts are raw. 
um, all the fruits I eat are raw, although I bake some pears and apples with some nuts and dates in the middle and they are just delicious. Yeah. So uh, there's really value in eating some things raw because you are not destroying some vitamins that are destroyed by heat. At the same time, when we cook some things, we make them some nutrients even more available because we're breaking some of the uh, covers or the linings that we cannot really enzymatically, you know, digest ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, but whatever, you know, whatever people want to do, I mean, a raw plant food diet is very healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, just like, um, just like keeping some kind, some hours of the day as a fast is also a healthy thing. Mm -hmm. There should not really be a one size fits all. I mean, the thing is, we should all be aiming at more whole foods, plant-based. And what by that, we mean that you see the food and you know what it is. It doesn't need a label. Nice. So the, the less processed it has been, the better. Um, you know, oats is one example. I mean, very few of us eat groats, oat groats, which is the whole grain. And okay. it, it looks like a fat rice. Okay. Most of us eat the steel cut oats. In other words, right. they have cut them for us, so they cook a little bit quicker. M many more of us are familiar with the rolled oats, which is the steamed grain flattened, right? So that it really cooks quick. <laughs> and others are more familiar with the instant oats, which have been <laughs> really almost pulverized, you know, and, and yeah. digested for us. So <laughs> in, in that one example, you have groats to instant mm -hmm. so looking at the spectrum you know the closer to the growth the more the more healthy it is because you have all the intact nutrients you're you're chewing you're giving your bones a reason to exist your teeth are giving all the work your enzymes so in everything that's the whole idea mm -hmm. don't get the oil get the nut or the olive, you know, don't get the sugar, oh, yeah. get, don't, don't get the sugar, get, get the dates and the fruits and um, the dried fruits, you know, so the less processed, the better. But we make use, 95% of our food is unprocessed and we process it ourselves at home, whole, you know, whole foods, plant-based, that's what we aim for. But it's not like you have to be pure or 100%, that's not the point. Mm -hmm. Eating is a pleasure and it should really be a pleasure that gives us health mm -hmm. and vibrancy and, and joy and that allows us in the kitchen to be our own, pleasing ourselves, you know, with what would I like today? Something savory, something sweet. Yeah. And all you have to do is combine the things that you have there, whether you know, in a salad or in a stew or wrap them up and there's no, there's no limit. Mm -hmm. Food is, and food is medicine, but it doesn't have to taste like a medicine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, great. Uh, next question is, what are your thoughts on eating bread if you are already diagnosed with diabetes? Well, diabetes is not a problem of bread. 
um, diabetes is a problem of um, utilizing carbohydrates, but the the culprit is fat. Mm. So it's fat in your in your muscle cells and in your liver. So once you have diabetes, what's happened is that you have fat in muscle and liver keeping you from using your bread um, in every cell of the body, which mm-hmm. needs the energy. So it's not the bread, it's the fat. Okay. However, once you have diabetes and once you have the fat in the cells and you eat bread, it's going to spike your sugar, um, right? Just yeah. like fruit, fruit is going to spike your sugar. Why? Because it can't get into the cells mm-hmm. because the fat is there occupying the cells and blocking the sugar from going in. So yeah. once you clean out from fat, your muscles and your liver, meaning eating no meat, chicken, fish, eggs, cheese, mm-hmm. and oils in weeks or at the most months, you have recovered insulin sensitivity. You have recovered your ability to use the sugar and then you're fine you can have a slice of bread you can have as much fruit as you want you can have as much oatmeal as you want it's wow. the fat it's the not fat. the carbohydrate not the sugar it's the fat not the carbohydrate oh not the sugar okay okay um great i hope that that answers your question it takes a lot to get that you know in our in our brains that it yeah. that it's a it's a cascade we need mm-hmm. you know it's a cascade in other words the the fat is the original culprit right once you have the fat in the cells anything that turns to sugar will spike your sugar so you don't really need to cut back on your carbohydrates in the in the actual food mm-hmm. what you have to cut back is on the fat so that the carbohydrate can come in yeah yeah now would and you sugar and flour are bad sugar and flour sugar and flour are bad they they're the bad carbs they have been extracted from the plants and they really should not really be part of our everyday life okay. so a slice of bread every now and then but you know, pastries and um, Twinkies and sugary <laughs> beverages and all that kind of stuff. That's been, that's already taken out of the plant itself. Mm-hmm. So that's the most processed food ever, right? Wow, yeah, yeah. So eat the carbohydrate, but eat it within the sweet potato, right. within the, the oats, within the pumpkin, within the mango, within the fruit food the oil but within the olive within the nut within the avocado right so so not the pumpkin bread <laughs> you can make pumpkin bread with ingredients that are just pumpkin um you know the oats for for the for the flour mm-hmm. and dates for the sweetener mm-hmm. so you there are many i mean as a from a vegan to another vegan yeah look up on the internet uh, plant-based or vegan, oil-free pumpkin bread. And I'm sure you'll come up with 10 different recipes that are delicious. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So bread so, so bread and the, the flour and the sugar are not good for us. No, right. Not in excess. So a sandwich a day is probably not the way to go. 
Well, the but, sandwiches wind up being very long. You know, the big sub sandwiches. <laughs> I don't. Depends on what you put inside the the, the two. You know, the two loaves. Okay. Two things of bread. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you spoke about fasting and there's a question here about if you intermittent fast or what do you think about intermittent fasting? And so since you already spoke about it, um, can you tell us your thoughts on intermittent fasting and if it's a practice that you um, either do yourself or suggest to uh, patients? Okay. So I'm sure many of your listeners are already fasting every day, you know, because we break fast every morning. Mm-hmm. We breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> So the idea is really to fast a little longer than just six hours or seven hours. Mm -hmm. So I do, I fast maybe 12 hours. Okay. So, you know, if I finish eating at seven o'clock in the, at night, I don't eat until seven o'clock the next morning. That's 12 hours. Mm -hmm. If I want to do a little bit longer fast, you know, and and we can talk just briefly some of the benefits of doing that. Uh, You know, let's say that I finish eating at seven o'clock at night uh, I could not eat breakfast until 10 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And that will give me 12 plus 3, you know, 15 yeah. hours fast. Mm-hmm. So what happens during a fast is that your body is not busy or not asked to do other tasks which interfere with putting the house in order. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's time that you don't have free radicals being, being built. In other words, no... Um, oxidation in the bloodstream so that your immune system doesn't have to really be busy, you know, cleaning up after itself all the time. It's like having a vacation, you know, when you have a vacation, when you have, when it's raining outside and you can't do anything outside and you clean your house, you put everything in order. That's what we want to give the body every night time for, to, you know, make sure that if there are cells that were becoming cancer cells that the immune system has a chance to spot them and kill them Um, and also something very important happens in our brains we commit short-term memory things to long-term memory so it's a good time that your brain is learning things that you will need later you know for students who are studying for an exam you know there's a time when you just say okay that's it that's enough and you have a good night's sleep and the next morning You just don't look at the material again. You just committed a lot of that to long-term memory and you do better than if you stayed up all night and didn't have that period of fasting or quiet in your brain. So for body and mind, fasting is 12 to 15 to 17 hours. So it's, it's not about days and days, you know, it's really just giving a break. I love that. Okay. Um, all right. Next question is, it's, it's, you actually um, talked about it a little bit earlier, but they're asking, um, they were asking if the lifestyle approach is a holistic lifestyle. And if so, what is your philosophy on holistic living? Well, vegan, veganism is really, yes, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a philosophical, you know, way of living. And what it really is at its core, it's ahimsa. And it means active non-harm. So it's not harming anyone, anything. And it should start with us. (laughs) It should really start with us not harming ourselves. (laughs) With us, you know, nourishing ourselves well, exercising, uh, sleeping well, you know, de-stressing and having 
community that supports us. So it's not just for the animals or for the planet. It's really all encompassing. And yes, the more, the more we practice this, the more we realize that it's really not just like the practice of yoga. It's not just exercises. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's really, met, you know, centering yourself, balancing yourself, is living mindfully, is thinking before you jump to say something that might be um, thoughtless or, or hurtful. Or, uh, so, yes, um, the more we do that, the better. Mm-hmm. And I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, so um I have my own question uh because before I get to the other two that I have here. Um as when you speak about um like the holistic side of it, right? Um do you know like do you spend time in nature? Like do you do you meditate? Um, is this part of your typical lifestyle? Because you're beautiful at 73. And I'm wondering, like, has this been your lifestyle? Like, like the approach of like, they're asking about holistic, being holistic, um, like a holistic approach. So like the yoga meditation, is that something that you've been into? And how long? Because you you look so de-stressed and beautiful. I know this is the end of your day and you're on camera with me looking like this. So what is the secret? <laughs> and is that part of it? <laughs> yeah, it has to be. But I have to tell you, you know, I am like everyone else. I mean, I, I grew up, you know, I didn't grow up like this. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I've been, I've thrown myself into exercise, into yoga, into learning about Carl Jung and psychology, into, um, you know, medicine, into family, into um, everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I have adopted it as, uh, I have incorporated it into into a more balanced way. Mm -hmm. But it's been serial monogamies you know (laughs) it has been um, slowly putting them together and weaving them into some some better practice so I've always been drawn to nature Um, I've now what I do is I I do it more effortlessly you know it's not uh, it's not something that's a time and a day and you know and a and a tight schedule but meditation for me can happen at the drop of a hat you know mm-hmm. while i am while i am weeding or while i am walking my dog or while i'm cooking that would be a perfect one mm-hmm. you know i don't always have the radio on i am not always taking things in mm-hmm. i'm letting things come out right. i'm surprised by the things that come out I pay attention to my dreams and I, for many years, I wrote every night or every morning, you know, what I, what I dreamt. Now I am just amused by some of my dreams <laughs> and I will write some down because they are so amusing or so, uh, you know, hard to understand. Um, so I, I prize, I value everything that happens in my life. I'm very grateful. 
um, I have glaucoma. I have a, a condition that, you know, is uh, diminishes my eyesight, mm-hmm. and I. It's my only disability, and I still I am grateful that I have enough of it, enough vision, you know, to be able to do what I like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's about really not forgetting that we are an organism, you know, with a spirit, with a mind, and that we live in in a in a space and time, and that we didn't just plop here that there is a there's a line you know that connects us to the past mm-hmm. and to the future um so it's it's about all of that i i cannot tell you there's a formula but you know yeah. when when i make decisions that make me feel bigger that make me breathe more with more ease I know that it's the right decision. Mm-hmm. If I am rushed into making a decision that feels that I am pressed together, mm-hmm. um, I used to sort of live with it, but now I just say, you know, I'm on second thought, <laughs> I don't think I can do that. Yeah. I don't think I want to do that. Yeah. And I think we should really practice that much yes. earlier, much younger. Mm-hmm. You don't have to come to a certain age to do that. I mean, the age is, you know, some wisdom comes with the age, right. but the practice, you should practice more to be, to please yourself without hurting anyone, you know, and to be yourself. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I, this is who I am and I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, um, I didn't start my practice in that until I turned 40. <laughs> Well, that was when I started my practice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Before, it was always about saying yes. Even when I felt like so overwhelmed, like I don't want to do it. But I began to practice the uh, what you're speaking of at about 40. And, um, you know, I'm still, it's still developing. It's a muscle that I'm still having to work, you know? Um, but I feel better with saying that because I don't feel, sometimes I don't feel the extra stress, you know, of saying yes and compromising myself. So, so I think I'm learning it. I, I wish I would have learned it a little earlier though, but you know, we, we learn it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the next question is when treating your patients, do they know that you are treating them in a holistic approach. This is the same, this is from the same person speaking on holistic. Yeah. No question about it. I mean, um, I first of all, I connect people with their condition, you know, and I ask them, you know, why is it that you think you have this, that, or the other? So I connect their pain, their, con- their condition, their mm-hmm. symptoms, their ticket, you know, into the office with the narrative of this is i i'm going to offer you you know that this is probably why this has happened to you so i feed it back to them in that way and um it's no secret i mean they they are they're not being done something you know that they are not aware of 
and they still keep coming, which is the fun thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> they know that I am going to ask them, so how have you been practicing what we talked about? Um, and because it comes without judgment, but really with more, how can I help you? What are the obstacles? You know, what are, how are you navigating? Who's, who's got your back? You know, who's on your corner uh, or in your corner? Who is, who, who are you counting on? You know, who, what are the obstacles? So this is the kind of stuff, because we have enough evidence that a whole foods plant-based diet and this kind of holistic, you know, approach to medic, to disease mm-hmm. is not symptom driven, but really, you know, the core reason for the disease. Mm-hmm. We have enough evidence that a whole foods plant-based diet is what will help people prevent, arrest, and even reverse disease. Wow. So the studies that we really need now are not more studies that show that. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, we, I mean, we can continue to learn more about the nuances, you know, of how it happens. But what we need now is how do we help people sustain this lifestyle? Mm-hmm. How do we help the people, you know, make the transition so that it's really not stressful and that and then sustain it Mm -hmm. how can we help them help the family how can we help them within the within their work environment Mm -hmm. so this is you know what i think medicine needs to do now is to change the paradigm of the practice of medicine by changing medical education so Mm -hmm. young physicians there's a beautiful documentary called code blue Loved it. Yes. And the whole idea is really if we teach physicians, young physicians, that the pillars of health Mm -hmm. and we make them live it through their medical school years Mm -hmm. by having a kitchen laboratory, by having an exercise, you know, routine, by de-stressing, by giving them time to, to meditate, then they can really come to their patients and it's second nature to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just all in. I'm just sitting here. I'm supposed to be interviewing you, and I'm just like, you know, captivated by what you're saying. <laughs> you know, Code Blue is um, a great documentary, and I think it's on Amazon. I think it is. Anyways, you know, the listeners, you guys can Google yes, it. it. You'll find it. I think it's on Amazon. Um, Dr. Baxter is on there and there's several other doctors. And you're right. When I saw the, uh, the students cooking and um, ex- like they were living this totally different lifestyle while in medical school, I was like, this, is, this has to be a great experience for them because I know that they're going to take that with them into practice, which, is the, which for many, I believe, is the missing link with medicine. If I don't smoke and I know the value of not smoking, I'm going to ask my patients. If I exercise, I'm going to ask my patients. Mm -hmm. Whatever I do, my patients benefit from my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that I I totally get that. Okay, Um, so the next question, because I I love, I could stay there all day and talk about that, but the next question is, oh, hold up. Oh, food. When shopping for food, what do you suggest is the best route we take? 
I don't know what that question means, but you can answer it any way that you <laughs> interpret it. What's the best route we take? <laughs> well, we take the route that takes us to the fruits and vegetables first. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll take that answer. <laughs> I mean, if you're tripped by the Cinnabons, you know, and the, and the bakery, avoid that entrance. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I what I do is I I go with recipes in mind. Okay. So you know there are some things that I normally, of course, get like the oats and the and the dates because they are like my overnight oats. But I plan to get the food that I'm going to cook that week, and I cook for the week. You know, and and I do cook more than that because I have the luxury at this age to really have time. Mm-hmm. But but other people, you know, I suggest that they cook once or twice a week, big amounts, big quantities, so that they have it um, for the week. And it's important to not buy ingredients that you have no use for or no, you know, you're not exactly sure how you're gonna, yeah, you, because they might end up spoiling or just wasting it or. So the route I take is the uh, most conscious route. <laughs> Knowing what I'm going to prepare, buying the ingredients, and, and trying to really buy season, seasonal ingredients, you know. So yeah. if the mangoes are in season now, I'll be eating mangoes until they come out of my ears. And then when they, when they are not, I'm going to have the memory of eating mangoes <laughs> until they come back. <laughs> yes. Uh, do you grow your own food? I, I that's one of the, th- one, th- one of those things that I threw myself into, you know, okay. <laughs> you know, for a while, but it was really, um, I live in an area where there are uh, herds of, um, of deer that, oh. uh, you know respect no no fence yes um so no i don't not not at this point i don't but i have been part of you know community gardens and i encourage people to do that and i yes so i don't yeah okay do you only eat organic i I think you've already kind of answered a lot of this but do you only eat organic i don't all all only eat organic but I try to and for the many reasons I mean the nutri- it's more nutritious um, but it also is more how should I say protective of the farmers because farmers who are exposed to pesticides and or, you know and organic chemicals and and also nature I mean the birds and the bees and all the pollinators and all the insects that are killed and maimed by us you know putting pesticides on stuff even if it doesn't really end up on our plate it has harmed many people and many others before me um, so it's more nutritious to be, to be organic um, it also educates folks you know to really support um, farmers that are doing it yeah more healthy all right, so I know we're coming to the close of our hour. I have another question here. Well, actually, this is my personal last question. But before I, well, I guess I could ask it because it may tie into me allowing you to share, you know, 
I don't know, maybe that last thought with the, with the um, audience. But my question to you, my final question to you is, what would you say is your life's purpose or your life work? This is one thing that has revealed itself slowly, but I think one of my life's purpose has been to communicate and to link, to make the complicated simple. Uh, I, I'm a storyteller. I, I like to tell stories about how our bodies, you know, like those same sentiments that you mentioned earlier, you know, that you're listening to me. Um, I like to help people be in awe of our bodies. I like to reveal the things that are just hidden in plain sight. I like to connect people with other people. I love doing that. I just love making connections between people and people and just, and then just watching what happens between yeah. to me. I don't have to be in the middle of everything, but I really love to make connections, yeah. build bridges. And and I love bringing from my own conscious or or acknowledging things that come from my own conscious and using them in my conscious life. So that's why I pay attention to dreams or I pay attention to the, you know med- things that bubble up. Um, so I guess I'm curious I and I like I like to I like to tell the complicated things in a simple way, which is why I wrote a book, you know, that that tells the simple stories of how our bodies work and how our um, how our food travels the the gut and how how come there are yes I like to discover the things that are hidden in plain sight how come there's so much osteoporosis here and not in other countries right. and we drink more milk than than anybody else right. so I like to question the things that have been taken for granted yeah yeah (laughs) so you mentioned your book um tell us a little bit about your book or where the listeners can find your book or is it just one or more i mean yeah it's only one book and i don't think i mean everything i knew to that point i put in that book okay i wrote it as an antidote to our reliance on pharmaceuticals wow so you know if anyone gets the book um do not skip the introduction, you know, because I say a lot there that will not be part of the book. Um, you can just buy it through your uh, small local bookstore, my preferred way to help people do it. Of course, they can find it on Amazon and, and others, but I think we really should help each other, you know, prop up this yeah. the small business people. Yeah. Um, and all you have to do is order it and, you know, they'll have it for you well they need to know the name of it dr negron oh that's true (laughs) it's called nourishing the body and recovering health the positive science of food wow you know when i wrote it queenie i wrote it in a year and a half took nine months to edit i pitched it to many publishing companies and one said we like it and in six months it was published they changed nothing other than a few things to protect the innocent. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, but it's my words, my voice, and I'm so, so happy with it. Great. I want it to be 
in every library and I have I mean I've given it to so many so many people Okay, I'm going to go out and have to order your book. Uh, our local bookstore, I could check and see if it's there or at least have them to order it. Cause, you they know. probably don't have it, they but you can, order, you can order it. Yeah, I can order yeah. it. So, um, so I'll play this back and I'll grab the name again and I will order the book. And uh, I will likely do a small review as well, uh, a live review once I... Uh, oh, that'd be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, once I read it, uh, I, I look forward to doing that. So, Dr. Negron, I've just really enjoyed um, chatting with you. And as I said, I mean, I love listening to you anyway. I've listened to a couple of your lectures. I think you might have had that book out at one of those lectures I saw on YouTube. But uh, <laughs> um, I do enjoy looking, um, watching you on YouTube. There are some videos out there. People can find you. Um, but can you just tell the listeners like other places that we might be able to find you? Uh, if you are on social media, um, if you would continue to give any lectures, if you do lectures virtual, um, that you know anyone can drop in? I mean, do you have any of that going on right now? Well, a couple of the places where I am giving lectures are in Spanish and they are in Puerto Rico and international. Okay. Uh, One is called Casa Vegana de la Comunidad. If there are any Spanish speaking. I do have some Spanish speakers that will be listening. Okay. Another is Coalición Fortaleza Latina. And I lecture to medical students, to people, you know, who like you, Grace, you know, so so graciously you know asked me to 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 be uh, on your on your podcast um i am not on social media i although i do have a facebook page Mm -hmm. anna m negron md and if you i put things there every now and then okay (laughs) and i have a website greensonabudget.org okay greens Greens on a budget.org which was born when I started to cook with my patients. I wanted people to know that it was cheap and that it had to be green. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Lastly, before I wrap this up, I made eggplant. I love eggplant. Do you eat eggplant? Yes, I do. (laughs) How do you make it? What's your favorite um, prep for eggplant? Well, now what I really, I'm trying to, I used to just put it in the skillet with some tomato sauce and garlic and onions and all of that. But um, I am now going to try to make uh, lentil patties with, okay. uh, with eggplant. <clears throat> yes, I've made it with potatoes or sweet potatoes, but eggplant as the glue that would, yeah. that would build them together. You know, I love eggplant and, and, I, you know, I'm almost ashamed to say this live because, you know, once it's said, it's it's gone and everyone knows your business. But I can take a, a little eggplant and cook it and eat the whole eggplant. Sure. I don't know if that's okay or not, but <laughs> but I can just eat, ju- like I'll cook just that one eggplant and I'll eat that one eggplant. It's so delicious. Wow. <laughs> and you, well, how do you, I mean, you bake it? You're- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, um... I'll bake, you know, I'll do the, I'll soak it, you know, get the bitters out of it. Um, and then I'll just throw it in the oven. I'll slice it and throw it in the oven, bake it. And yum. It's <laughs> so delicious. <laughs> Plants are so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up on a farm. And so I have a huge appreciation for plant life, for eating 
um, whole food. You know, I grew up in that environment and uh, my grandmother, that was what she cooked and, you know, she made preserves and everything was, you know, now that I'm older, I realized everything almost came right out of the garden, came right off the farm. Um, we hardly ever went to the grocery store for anything. Uh, and it was a treat to get a box of cereal and we would probably, ha you know, like every kid could have their own cereal, but it was like, you better make it last. It was like, it was gonna like a month, like two weeks at least or a month. That was the only box you would have, you know? Um, and so I have, you know, I came full circle back to having a huge appreciation for plant-based living. It just made sense to me because thankfully I was introduced to it at such an early age. So I went right back to, my roots <laughs> that's such a beautiful yes whole circle yes. we need we've been cut off from our roots yes. yes and we've almost been wiped off the memory yes so let's recover it yeah it's not too late yes i love that well dr negron thank you so much for joining me tonight i've had a, an amazing time chatting with you i will go back and listen to this interview again because i love hearing you speak and i hope that my vegan girl with curves brand um followers will listen in and they'll take something from this that's where all the questions came from i have a brand on facebook called vegan girl with curves and um, it is showing up looking like myself and speaking that, hey, I'm vegan as well. You know, I run and I have this lifestyle that's active and I eat plant-based and you can do it as well. So hopefully they will take something from this interview with you. <laughs> so thank you so much. And um, I look forward to following you a little bit more and seeing what you have going on during this pandemic time, making doing amazing things out there. I love it. This was such a treat. Yeah. <laughs> and just see just because we're open to it yes all right didn't i tell y'all that you were gonna love her oh my god her spirit is so sweet it's so amazing so listen thank you so much for listening to our podcast our wellness wednesday i hope you gained something from it um i could have just chatted with her like forever like she was just one of my friends <laughs> um but i do i just really really appreciate her taking the time out to come and come by and sit with us so hopefully again you guys got something out of it um don't forget um you can go and find her book at www greensonabudget.org g-r-e-e-n-s-o-n-a-b-u-d-g-e-t on a budget.org and um, you can also follow her uh, on Facebook as you heard her say she's on Facebook but not as much but you can follow her um, on Facebook to see what she's doing and there's several other um, plant-based or lifestyle medicine doctors out there um, I think you might have heard her mention and I mentioned Dr. Bex Montgomery Follow him as well. Get some information. There are other um, routes we can take. And I just want to share what I have with everyone. Okay. So you guys go out there and look around, figure out what may work for you. You can reverse these diabetes. Doctors believe you can lower the blood pressure and reverse it. Some of them, you know, say that you can come off the medicine with diet alone. Okay, so why not try it, right? All right, tell me what you think. Tell me if you enjoyed this interview. Let me know if you want me to bring any more back, um, any more doctors to the podcast, either Vegan Girl with Curves or the Bar Talks um, platform. 
let me know. Let me know what you want. Speak to me. Talk to me because I'm putting these things together because these are things that interest me and because I have the opportunity and the platform. So if you want more of something, let me know. Um, thank you again, Dr. Negron. I had such an amazing time with you. Keep doing what you're doing. I look forward to hearing about some of those other things that you have going on um, over in Puerto Rico. I will be following you. Thank you. Ciao.